0: Helen Keller once said that the place between your comfort zone and your dream is where life takes place. Today on Focus, Execute, Win, we explore what happens when you step out of the comfort zone to pursue your dreams. All right. Hello, everybody. Mike Indoffo here. Uh, And we are back on Focus, Execute, Win podcast. Uh, Again, I'm Mike Indoffo, joined by the queen of coaching, Kristen Tabert, and New York Times and now Wall Street Journal bestselling author, Michael Lennington. Michael, congratulations. Like 10 years later, the 12-week year is still hitting bestseller list. How does that feel, by the way?
1: It feels great. Um, What it is is a sign that the book actually created value for people. And so there kind of this word of mouth growth sometimes. And and that's really, really rewarding. Because Brian and I both wrote the book so that you could just read the book, take it away and, and apply it and get some value from it versus trying to keep all the secrets you had to come and pay us for. So I think it was a good choice.
0: And if you can't take the book and just, uh, and then just, you know, put it into work and put it into action and make it work for you. Cause a lot of people can't right Kristen. A lot of people struggle to just read the book and then apply it to their lives. Right. Uh, that's what we're here for. We're here to help that. And this podcast could help that, or you might want to reach out to Kristen or myself directly to see if we can help you uh, put your 12 week systems uh, into place, or you're just your short cycle execution systems as it might be. So uh that's what we're here to do. So uh new entry mu- intro music. You all chose it. I gave you three choices. That's the song you all picked. Are you fans?
2: I like it. The title, yeah. Yeah, well, man, we the- just found out the title. That's nope. right.
0: You didn't know the title when you chose it. The yeah. title of the song uh is My Plan is fun. <laughs> It's Fun.
1: This is very how how got- you- baby. Are- me-
0: how many it. of your clients, Kristen, think that their plan is fun? Uh
2: all of them. All oh, of yeah. them. No. <laughs> I guess if
0: your vision is like compelling enough, then your plan is fun, right? I mean, that's maybe one of those things that, hey, man, I'm really you know, like making progress towards something really big here. So,
2: yeah. No, but that's what we've been digging into, Mike. Is, you know, we we kind of touched upon this in our little Q&A um, at the beginning of the week, um, How how to make, how to really make the work enjoyable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, like like we said in that Q and A, there's there's research that shows that you have the ability to think about the work not as some arduous path to some positive goal, but that the work itself, the tactics, the actions become pleasurable, and so you 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 think about them differently, and you experience them differently, and you do more of them. Yeah, so so a, it is
0: fun, or whatever. It, it is fun. It can be. It and achieving things is fun. You know, building momentum is fun. Uh, it's a good way. Uh momentum, motivation gets you started, momentum keeps you going, right? So that's uh that's what they say.
1: But the but the 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 bad news is is that bourbon and stuff like that's fun too. So
0: <laughs> well, and I think at the end of the day, really what ends up happening is that momentum, like you said, keeps you going. But then when momentum gets interrupted, that tends to be the next thing that kind of just throws people for the loop. And I, I know from uh you know, we've been talking a lot about James Clear's book *Atomic Habits*. That's one of the best, the biggest takeaways. It's like you can't if you if you miss a day, that's fine. Give yourself some grace, but just don't miss two days. Like don't exactly. miss two days in a row. Right. Keep that momentum going. Bring that momentum back so that you don't start forming a new habit. All right. So this is the Focus Execute Win podcast, and uh, I wanted to bring something to light with you guys because number one, I, I think a big, uh, just talking point as we go into this year is mindset. I'm I'm hearing that word, especially in the real estate space a ton uh, being mindset. And Kristen, you work with a bunch of real estate agents. I do. And I'm sure that um, we're going to see actually which agents are able to have the right mindset and which don't coming up because there's going to be some agents that think they're going into a really hard market that don't know any better or whatever else. And they're just leading with fear. And that mindset is going to cause some issues.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, the the news media is not our friend right now. And with, you know, depending on what your favorite media outlet is, you know, it's, it goes from basic gloom and doom to the sky's completely falling. We're all going to die tomorrow and you might as well just give up now. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous.
0: And then there's the other people that, you know, you know, I've got a little perspective because I was, you know, a real estate agent back in 2008, 2009, when things were actually tough. And, uh, and just really kind of looking back and realizing the skills I developed there. And then just all the thing, all the good things that came out of that tougher market. Uh, but then there's people that just understand too, that there's a ton of opportunity when the, when things shift, you know, I'm not gonna even say there's, there's not a downturn. So when things shift, there's a, just, there's a lot of opportunity that, that, uh, comes up and the people who have that mindset, you know, you're going to attract, I guess, what you focus on.
2: Exactly. And can, can we stop there for a minute and can we just, can we? Lean into a word that's driving me crazy, sure. And it's it's big, big in the real estate right now. Is this yes. this whole nuance around the market has shifted? Okay. Yeah, it has. It's constant. It shifts every day. It's not like this is a new thing. And so the way you think about that term and the way that term's being bandied about, I think is is really negative to your mindset right now. Yeah. The market is period. Right. That's it.
0: And our job as professionals is to navigate the market.
2: Mm -hmm. And so I,
0: I heard a really uh, interesting analogy. um, And this was back, I I did some training uh, in Las Vegas with, with Ninja selling. It was awesome. And uh, the analogy I heard, Michael, and I think you would kind of get with this. It's like, if you're on on one shoreline and you want to get to the other shoreline and you're in a sailboat, if you have a tailwind, it's, you know, you can set your sail and the tailwind will take you right to the other shoreline. Now, if you've got a headwind, can you still get to the other shoreline?
1: Yeah, you just have to tack back and forth. And- right,
0: you got to ju- You got to have. You got to be a skilled sailor. You yeah. got to be able to adjust your sails constantly. You got to be able to to uh, work in a, that zigzag. I think is what you're kind of saying. Well, mm-hmm. how did you phrase it? Because listen, I don't know sailing terms.
1: Tacking back and forth.
0: Tacking back and forth.
1: So you attack one direction. You're yeah. going into the wind, but you're not directly into the wind. You're going like this, and due to the physics of the sails and the rudder and all that. It, it actually moves the boat towards the other shore, even though the wind's blowing directly at the other shore, the wrong shore. So
0: so the, um, so it, it does. It takes more skill to navigate and all that other kind of stuff, but you can still get to your end goal. You might have to work a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. You might, it might not come as easy as it did, but there's also a lot of people who have to have to work harder. What are they going to do? They're going to quit. Yeah. And so that creates opportunity because of market share. So anyway, at our office, one of the things that we're doing on a quarterly basis is we're bringing in uh, a therapist who uh, I I met kind of innocently. Uh, you I, I think I actually mentioned. Well, you know what? I didn't tell this story on the show. How do you meet a therapist guiltily? Uh, guiltily is that what I said? I said you accidentally.
1: Said, oh, you said innocently, and I'm just wondering innocently. Oh,
0: Guiltily. Oh my goodness. Jeez, yeah, he's <laughs> Speaking
2: he's. Uh, Speaking awful. of derailment, I know. Well,
0: I, I would say that one of the things that I do a really good job of is I don't underown or over-own problems in a real estate transaction. You all have worked with me. I think that hopefully that, that proved, you know, and you all actually had an issue where we thought the retaining wall could have been a problem and I didn't over it, didn't under it. We worked on figuring out a solution and that was it. Um, so I over a problem on this transaction, which, which required me to spend my labor day um, moving a refrigerator. So I go to the uh, Home Depot and, uh, there at Home Depot, I got there early enough to make sure I could get the truck. There was only one truck left, and I got the truck. And there's this, there's this elderly gentleman behind me. Al, if you're listening, I'm sorry I called you an elderly elderly gentleman. Um, he's he's behind me, and he needed the truck too. And so I looked at Al, and I said, listen, I'm only going to go move a refrigerator. You've got to move a bed. You know, we're going – in the same basic direction. Let's go get your bed. Let's go get my refrigerator. Let's just knock them out both. Get in the truck. Let's go do this together. Didn't know this guy from Adam. I guess he could have been, you know, an axe murderer or whatever else. I took that, I took that chance. Took a took a read on person. Anyway, we had the greatest conversation. And he's a therapist. And we didn't talk about how being a therapist is very similar to being a real estate agent, which you know, most people might laugh at. But if you talk to any of your friends that are real estate agents, we are therapists 90% of the time is what that's what we do.
2: I'm I'm just laughing because I remember our own own personal transaction and the, the two year old toddler meltdown I had, you know, at, at one point and you just calmly took control and away we went.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and at the end of the day, like we had the greatest conversation. He, he's a he's a black gentleman. We had you know cross generation, cross race. You know, he probably leans a little bit more on one side of the aisle, and I lean on the other side of the aisle. All that kind of stuff. It it was just fantastic just to have like this conversation where no one was looking to get offended, no one was looking to get upset, no one was looking to shout over the other person and try to prove that they are right. We were just talking and like giving perspectives. And uh, anyway, so this guy, who is a, a doctor, he's a therapist, and has started coming into our office once a quarter, and he just once a what? Once a quarter. Oh, once every twelve weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Once every three months, actually, um, and he gives us this. He he really just helps our agents work on their mindset. It's been incredible. But he shared with us this diagram. And if you're uh, if you're watching the video, what you can do if you're a member of the Focus Execute Win for Real Estate Pros um, member, if you're there, we'll have we'll post that video here. If not, I think I can put this in the show notes somehow. I'm not really sure, but. It's the uh, it's the comfort zone, fear zone, learning zone, growth zone uh, graph uh, or uh, image that he puts down there, and I was taken by this. All right, Michael's going to punch holes in it, and that's fine. Um, but you know we are we're in our comfort zone. I think what it did for me is I always have a little prayer that I say that talks about I know that my dreams are on the other side of my fears. I've got to push. I'm asking God to help me push through my fears because I know on the other side of my fears lives my dreams. And this just really kind of showed that to me. And it showed me that and I know most people are, there's the comfort zone and around the comfort zone is the fear zone. So a lot of people will maybe venture into the fear, the fear zone and then come right back to the comfort zone to feel safe and control. Um, but if you can get past that fear zone and get into the learning zone and the growth zone, that's, that's what it takes really to kind of be successful. Michael, what I think you mentioned, and I think there's some truth to this is, Really, the fear zone and the learning zone have got to blend a little bit more than what this diagram shows. And then we want to kind of talk about, about what really happens in that fear in the between the comfort zone and through the learning zone, right? Yeah. And I, I
1: didn't know this guy was a psychiatrist or psychologist. So, so I'm not sure I want to take this battle on. But um, I see I see that purpose of that is is um to help people kind of experience an ability to move out of their fear and, and move beyond their fear into, into a better um, life for themselves. And so I, I think that probably works in a therapeutic session uh, s- setting pretty well. But the way I see it, there's a combination. You and I were talking about this. And so um, the first thing we've got up here is this concept of deliberate practice. Can we go to the next slide, though? Because I want to kind of, I think it'll it'll kind of tie back and then I'll come back. All
0: right, now, don't forget that. Not everyone's gonna be able to see this. So we got to talk about what we're actually. Yeah, so I,
1: I can describe this better than I can describe the last one. So okay. um, when, we, when we look at... Um, a similar model to what we were showing a minute ago to those of you who can see it. Um, we have a model where we have a, a, a set of, of three concentric circles and in the inner circle is what we call our comfort zone. It's where we like to reside. Um, it's low stress. It's easy. Um, there's really no discomfort. There's no fear. There's no upset. It's just a place of being comfortable. It's where we're, where we're at ease. And, and then,
0: and I think that's, it's apropos because it's, mm-hmm. the, it's like the bulls out of the target, right? Is what we're looking at. And so that's like your safe bubble.
1: Yeah. It's, everything yeah, it's, else going
0: around. it's your safe little bubble in the right. middle.
1: And, and you yeah. may be able to do some fantastic things in there, but the thing about it is it's not a growth area. You're not, you're not growing when you're there. So you've got to be able to step out of that, that comfort zone and step in a discomfort right you've got to be able to to do things differently and do different things and when you change how you're thinking and you're behaving, you have uncertainty because when we don't know how to do something when we're when we're feeling incompetent at something and yet we we step out and we try to do it and we're do it maybe in front of other people we can we can create some of this, this this fear discomfort that happens with that with that not knowing how when we don't know how to do something that we've committed to do that creates discomfort and so but the problem is is that if we if we avoid that discomfort we'll we'll stay in our inner circle, we won't grow, so we want to be able to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and that's where the growth zone happens is that we've we've stepped into a level of of uncertainty that allows us to figure it out, to solve the problems. And then we become better at it. We become competent at it. So, you know, when we learn to walk, we walk from the comfort zone to the discomfort zone, right? The growth zone. And we finally, we started to learn to walk and now walking was in our comfort zone, right? So we we're always expanding our comfort zone in life, in my view, unless we're just kind of stuck. And then there's a zone where you step so far into the unknown that you go into the panic zone, right? So I I might want to be um, a concert pianist, and I don't, but if I did, um, I wouldn't necessarily want to go, go to a symphony orchestra and say, hey, I, I can play piano. Would you, would you hire me? I'd like to try out for you and have the, the entire orchestra watch me try to play piano. That would be a panic zone um, because I'm, I'm completely incompetent. There's no chance I can be successful with it. And I clearly am, am not going to be successful. So I, I, I don't do that. And so um, panic zone is unproductive because you, you shut down. You just, you don't, you know, you're not trying things. You're not experimenting. You don't have any curiosity. You're just, you're overruled by fear. But in the growth zone, you're not shut down. You may feel some discomfort, but you're in the game, right? And you're learning and you're trying stuff. And as adults and as children, that's where we learn. So that's how I see that, 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 that. All right. That, so let uh, me. Let me ask
0: Kristen about something, because when I hear you, the, last year, about this time, we were going to Amelia Island to speak to the Georgia Association of Realtors. It was the biggest room that I ever spoke in. It was the biggest room that Kristen ever spoke in. I'm not sure about you, Michael. You might have spoken in bigger rooms. Yeah. And we were literally following the lady from Disney. Okay. Like we one of the the speakers that Disney puts out there from the Disney Institute of whatever
2: Um, Well, and let's add the data point that I had no idea. I I may have been told maybe I I buried it. I'm not sure. But I I had the belief that we were not on the main stage. I thought we were in a smaller, smaller room with a smaller amount of people. And when you said, no, we're on the main stage, we had about 15 minutes to go before we were going to be up there. Um, You want to talk about being in the panic zone. I was there full blown.
0: (laughs) But you didn't shut down.
2: No, I did not shut (laughs) down.
0: So what was the key to that?
2: Um, I had support, right? Right. And I also had to have a little internal pep talk with myself that, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm I'm going to blow it and I'm going to look silly or foolish or or whatever, and I'll never be asked to speak again. I mean, that that's worst case scenario. So I went there, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of that that. Indian talk with the, the chief where, you know, they said, how do you mentally prepare for battle? And he said, I, I ultimately go to death before every battle. Well, I kind of went to worst case scenario in my head and said, okay, well, everything from here is just up. And so that's, that's, that's how I did it.
1: Uh, yeah, well, the, I, go ahead, Michael. I, if I could jump in on that, Kristen, because I, I know for a couple things about, I mean, I've known you for a long time and I'd argue that you'd expanded your growth zone and your comfort zone so far that you really weren't stepping out into panic because you've been in situations over the years where you were preparing for that, whether you knew it or not, in terms of just coaching somebody who's like, for example, the chess coach. Did you know how to play chess?
2: Not even close.
1: Not chess coach, but the chess client. yeah. But you, you stepped out at the unknown. And so you've gotten really good at at stepping out into the unknown, so you you're I'd argue that your panic zone wasn't in play there. Now, if if I told you that the pilot just died in our plane that's flying over the ocean, and you had to fly the paint plane, you'd be in a panic zone, right?
2: Most likely, yes. Most likely,
1: we're taking a swim, and so I think I think where you were, and, I, and I, I hear what you're saying, Mike. I mean, panic is is a relative term, but I I don't think you were in full panic. I guess is way I'd argue.
2: No, I, I, I was, I was, I was not, yeah, I was, I was in full-blown fear. I will tell you that maybe there's a fine line between fear and panic, but I was, I was in fear and I was letting my head tell me you can't do this. You've never done this. What are, what are you thinking? Um, You know, there was, there was a momentary, maybe I'll just let Michael and Mike take off with this and I'll just (laughs) videotape in the back.
1: I'm glad you didn't because it was so well done with you, what you did. But but you'd prepared. Mm-hmm. You envisioned it, right? And so you were competent at it. It was just the first time you'd stood up in front of a group of that many people. Exactly. So when I use the example of the plane, you don't know how to fly a plane. Um, you know you know how to crash one probably. But that that competency factor was there for you. And you were in a situation that caused you to panic. But deep down, you you felt competent.
2: Yeah, I had the competence. I didn't have the confidence.
1: So you prepared for it, but that's I, you know every model you know is wrong. Some are useful, and I think that they're on the edge, Mike, this probably does have some faults to it. But what I like about this is that um, it, it's it's the realization that when we when we learn and when we get better, we're growing. And- we're not- I want to just kind of
0: push one little concept here too that just popped in my head. Cause when I hear you say it now, like I start, I'm meekly thinking about how prevalent, especially with our young people anxiety and panic attacks are. And then I'm like, you know, and I don't remember them being that prevalent when I was younger and, and especially even in my own kids, like I, I, my daughter for sure. I mean, we've, we've seen the anxiety kind of come to that point where it's, you know, you, you can't do anything. So yeah what i've what i'm thinking though is because of our and I, and I don't want to get too deep into this but because of our culture it's kind of shrunk what our comfort zone is mm-hmm. and made our comfort zone even tighter where we don't have to interact with anything that makes us uncomfortable yeah our growth zone has gotten sh- shorter it's not hard for i think people get to the panic zone quicker now than ever before and there and and i was talking to it today with uh with my you know the the person who works with me jackie you'll probably heard me talk about her before but like She's got like a, she's got a first grader who's having like test anxiety, a first grader. And it's just, you know, it's just amazing because I think that's becoming more and more prevalent, you know? So um, anyway, should we go to the next slide?
1: Yeah. Cause I think that helps a little bit too, which
0: I love this slide. All right, go for it.
1: So there, there's a, if you, if you're watching, you can see what I'm talking about. If you can't see um, what we have is we've got four, what we call levels of learning and, um, and it's, it's, a pretty common model. So you may be already familiar with it, but there's really four stages of learning. And um, the first stage is unconscious incompetent. So if we're trying to learn a new skill, like driving a car, flying a plane, um, those kinds of things, we're, we're, we're unconscious that we don't know how to do it because we haven't tried it yet. So when you were in the backseat of your parents' car, well, I don't know if this happened to you, but when I was a kid in the backseat of the parents' car, I would watch my dad drive and it looked so easy. He was barely moving. Everything was just chill. And well, that's easy to do. Um, and I believe that up until the point I actually got behind uh, the wheel in a car, and then I moved from unconscious incompetent, which is that first stage, to now I'm consciously incompetent. I realize, whoops, driving is not quite as easy as my dad made it look. And so I'm, I'm now feeling some of that discomfort, maybe some of that fear, um, but, but I'm not giving up because I want it badly enough. So I, I start to drive, right? And we all experience this. And Um, we get better. Over time, we learn and we get better. And so as we get better at driving, we move from conscious and competent now to the third stage of learning, which is conscious competent. I'm still have to think about it, but I I can do it all. I'm I'm comfortable that I know how to do everything. I just got to really pay attention. And then eventually, though, we often, most of us move from conscious competent up to the fourth level of learning, which is unconscious competent. Now, I don't have to think about driving. I can just jump behind the wheel of a car and drive. And that's where you get to the office and you forgot how you get there. You're not, you don't even remember, you know, all the turns you made. You're just you're so good at it that it doesn't rise to the level of, of you know, full consciousness. It's a kind of subconscious. And so those are the levels of learning. And so, Mike, what do you think it's most comfortable? What's to- most comfortable? Yeah, places to be on on those four levels. Which level is the most comfortable?
0: So actually, I was just kind of thinking about this. To me, the one that would be the most comfortable, uh, if I'm willing to go through the whole process, would actually be the unconscious, confident one. That's where I'm going to be the most confident. Because now I'm applying it to that other diagram that we put up there. And I'm like, okay, like I'm in my comfort zone now. But it's really because I have no basis of really what the comfort zone of my good life could really look like. Right. Right? So like at the comfort zone here is good. Don't get me wrong, but the comfort zone of me being on that balcony in Italy, overlooking the water with Chrissy and holding her hand and stuff like that, that sounds a whole lot better. I, I think I'd be a lot more comfortable there. And knowing that I've been to Italy twice and I like, I forget every fear or every morsel of like, like everything just kind of melts away. I think that that one sounds better.
1: Yeah. Well then, then, then imagine yourself in one of those Italian men's swimsuits as you're standing there. Oh, thing. no, I mean,
0: I, I just, I wear those around the house. Oh, okay.
1: Well, maybe oh, you can Oh, come on, It's <laughs> part,
0: part of Chrissy's uniform for me, yeah?
1: so. <laughs> uh, you know? Sorry I brought that up. i uh, very sorry, actually, now, because that image is in my, my mind, and I've moved into uncomfortable. But... Um, where, where, where the learning happens, though, is not, well, we're comfortable. It doesn't right. learn you've got it down. It doesn't, doesn't, you don't learn it before you know you don't know how to do it, right? Um, you're just kind of unconscious, incompetent. But, but the pain of learning happens in the first stage and the second stage. It's worse in the first, and it's less in the second, but there's still this discomfort. And so we don't like to be uncomfortable. Naturally, we desire comfort. It makes sense. And so we, we seek to be comfortable. So once we get to a certain point where our competence serves our purposes um, at, the, at the minimum level, we stop paying attention and we get stuck. We don't get, you know, typically we don't get a lot better at driving, you know, after we've, after we've really become unconscious at it. Right. So learning happens in the middle stages. Comfort happens in the top and bottom stages. And so we like comfort. And so one of the challenges we have is that we 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 don't step into situations to learn because they don't they don't feel comfortable and we can get stuck. And so in order to really get better at anything, we have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's that's in those middle stages. And, you know, you've heard about the 10,000 hour rule. You know, 10,000 hours of practice makes you world class at anything, but it's a specific kind of practice. It's deliberate practice. And that's where you're staying in those two zones, conscious and competent and conscious competent. When you're in those zones, you stay there intentionally in and, and 10,000 hours of that gets you world class. 10,000 hours of unconscious competence gets you. Nothing. I mean, you just basically stay where you are. So, so that's, that's the value of, of always in that learning zone, always in that growth zone. Is it, is it, you get better and better, better at at what you, what's most important
0: to you. So there's all kinds of things still here. We're going to go to Kristen real quick and talk about this, how this plays out in the coaching side, because like I, again, I was talking about the other, first off, this overlays with the emotional cycle of change, right? Mm -hmm. Perfectly. All that stuff uh, is just talking about where the value of despair really is. And it also talks, uh, I was talking yesterday and with the, the call that Kristen and I did about that book, Mastery by George Large. I mean, um, when you kind of go through and, and I think this, Kristen, I'm, I'd be amazed where the, the comfort zone for your agents that you work with for a lot of them is really good. And so they're not really willing to make the adaptations to the systems that they already have in place because it's getting them a comfortable result, even though they know that they're capable of doing more. Absolutely. They're, and that's why you need to have a Kristen Tabbert, or you need to be in our Focus Execute Win for Real Estate Professionals uh, group because you need people to help you adapt your systems to the results that you really could be going to get. So how does that show up for you?
2: It shows up as work in the beginning <laughs> right? <laughs> um, because people are comfortable. You know, they've got a, they've got an idea. They're kind of in that, that Unconscious incompetence phase, where you know they don't know what they don't know, but they know something needs to be different. So maybe maybe they're kind of in between unconscious incompetence and conscious um, incompetence. So they start seeking new ideas, and you know initially they're they're open, they're excited until you know, that now the fear starts to come in. I mean, and I'll just use my own example at, at Georgia Association of Realtors. You know, I was really excited to do this. It was the first time I was going to do this, get in front of people, be with you guys. And I was, I was really excited to kind of step outside of my normal routine and, and, and do something else that was going to kind of put some new skills or some new things on my, my resume. Um, But then, then when I found out what I found out, it was terrifying. It was like, if you're kidding me, 500 people following that woman, I'm going to say what to who? Um, you know, but then, but here's the thing, you know, when you are competent in your skill sets, then if you're coming from a place of competence, even when you're afraid that shines through. And I had you guys to kind of, you know, we all have each other to lean on. So if I couldn't think of something or if I were whatever, we, we can cover that with, with conversation. But as as we sat there and people started listening and I looked out over the audience and that built my confidence. They were, they were leaning in, they wanted to hear more. And by the time we got done with that and the round of applause, wow. I was like, you know, I had celebrity breath and, I hadn't even stepped off the, the stage yet. Michael was behind me and I turned around and I said, I can't wait to do this again, you know? And right before we stepped on stage, I said, I'll do this today, but I'll never do this again. <laughs> right. Um, and so that's how it is with some of my clients. And so they're in that place where they're, they're really, really uncomfortable and they try stuff and it may not be successful. And that's the temptation then to go back and be comfortable, especially with the the level of client that I work with Income wise, most of these people make a very, very good living. So even if they change nothing, they have a good life. So getting them from a current good life to that really good life they want—that's where it really gets sticky sometimes.
0: So uh, and so, if you're looking for opportunities to helps get someone to help you with that learning process and get through those uh, conscious incompetent and conscious competent. Uh, pieces you know we're here for you so like I mentioned on this program we have if if you're a real estate professional we've got this program now Focus Execute Win for Real Estate Pros Uh, we'll put some information about that in the show notes so that you can get some info and uh, potentially join that as well we're going to have a couple live opportunities coming up I'm speaking at Real Estate Distilled in Louisville, Kentucky Um, the event runs from February 28th to March 2nd Um, that's the next place you can see me I'll put a link of where you can get tickets for that uh, if you want to he- come hear me speak, but if you want to do a deep dive at at a high level, and we're really we're keeping this crowd small on purpose because we want to we really want to help tailor uh, your short cycle execution to your abilities. We are putting together an event in Nashville that is going to be like high level, digging deep, uncovering a lot of stones. I'm like I- I'm pretty sure that one of the gifts we're going to give you is a box of tissues because we're gonna we're gonna make sure that you that you get to the bottom of the pool and you really start understand what's important to you. So um, we're, we're really going to go deep with it. So that's our national event that's coming. Um, no information's out there for that yet, but if you're interested in that, um, I'll put an email, I'll put an address, email address in there. So you can say, Hey, I want to know more about the national event. Uh, because again, we're, we're going to be a little selective about who attends that one.
2: We can't give a date. It'll be March 25th, Saturday, March 25th,
0: which I know is a little weird doing it on a Saturday, but I, we think it's going to be best if we can kind of do it where, people can be completely disconnected from their work week. So, all right. Anything, uh, any other closing remarks?
2: I just want to leave them with one little nugget. Um, you know, we've given you framework about how you feel about things, um, trying to get outside Mm -hmm. of your comfort zone and, and to go into that, that learning zone. Um, just recognize when the fear starts to creep in and instead of taking a step back, just take one step forward. Just do one more thing, just one step outside of where you're really starting to feel that you don't have to take massive steps. Um, I'm going to bring it back to a horse story. I had a trainer in Michigan who I was terrified to canter because I broke my neck on a crazy thoroughbred and speed equated to death for me. And so he would get me to the point where, um, just where, you know, I'd start to tense up and my shoulders would start to to really tense up. And he'd make me go one more time around the round pin and give me the, okay, you're done, stop. And I always knew that no matter how afraid I was, I just had to go one more time around the the round pin or one more time around the arena. It wasn't, you know, so kind of back to the the 1%, the atomic habits, you know, just a smidge more. And, you know, it was never on the verge of death either. So feel the fear, move along just a little bit more, give yourself permission to pause, take it in and do it again.